Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel along with Jim Schroeder and Mike Lanana talking college baseball. As we do every Monday here in the Baseball America podcast nook, all of our college coverage is brought to you by Louisville Slugger. You can check them out on Twitter and Instagram, at Slugger Nation. And uh, our, our second week of the college baseball season is in the books, the coldest week of the season so far. We've had two very cold, very wet uh, weekends in college baseball so far. I even saw spring training tweets from uh, major league broadcasters and, and, and beat writers who are out in Arizona, and there's rain in Arizona today. So it seems like we can't avoid that kind of weather. I know it was cold in Florida even this weekend, but uh, you're watching the Miami-Florida games on uh, SEC Network this weekend, and there's some jackets and even some gloves on some of those players. But that's, of course, that's Miami players who are at Gainesville's up north for, for people from South Florida. Um, I remember it seemed like it was forever when I was in Boca in high school driving up to Gainesville to go do a campus visit. That seemed like a long drive. I don't remember how far it was, but it seemed farther than it needed to be. Um, so we had a lot of weather-related issues. Jim Schoener, you did get some college baseball games in this weekend. And, I did. Uh, not well, as many as I hoped for, but I got something. Not as many as you hoped for, Mike. You, you basically have a man the man the remote control and the uh, and the streaming of, of games this weekend because around here there was nary a college baseball game to be seen. No, there there's really uh, slim pickings here in this area. So I was like you said, I was man the remote. I was looking at box scores, a lot reading lots of stats. You know, I wish I was out at the ballpark, but. Sometimes it, sometimes it can't happen. I know a lot of scouts who are doing the same thing that you were doing and uh, going around uh, having to change their last-minute travel plans. So we'll talk a lot about that and our top 25 rankings this week. As always, we'll take some of your questions via Twitter. Uh, he's at Emlanana. He's at Jim Schoner, BA. I'm at John Manuel, BA. Or you can email us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We took one of those questions last weekend. But, guys, we did have a little debate at the top of the rankings this week with Vanderbilt, LSU, uh, it seems like if LSU had actually won a game in midweek against Nickel State, we might have jumped the Tigers at the top. But it just didn't seem like we could really reward LSU for that. I, either either of you guys concerned at all by Vanderbilt's, I would say, average-ish start so far? They've won two weekend series, but they haven't really dominated either uh, either opponent, whether it's Santa Clara or Indiana State. Does that concern you at all, Jim, or um, win's um, a win for you, the series win? I'll, right now, I'll say it's a win is a win. I mean, it's a little disconcerting that they're not, um, you know, and you like to see them be a little more uh, dominant. But, I mean, they're, I think they're a team that's built to win a, win a lot of close games anyway, so that's probably just the way it's, might just be the way it goes. But, um, and, and it is, I mean, they are going to, they are the defending national champs, so they are going to get everyone else's best shot. It's, it's, you know, when Indiana State and Santa Clara, one team like that, play them, it's their, you know, it's, it's a big deal for those other teams. But, um and plus, like we said, if LSU had either beaten Nickel State or played teams more um, inspiring than um, Boston College or um, I forget who they played week one, or Kansas. But right. uh, you know, if they had played a more robust, I mean, a more, more robust schedule, it might be more of a push to move them up. But uh, as it is, I mean, 
we'll see what uh, see what they do moving forward. But right now, it's I think we were okay with just keeping keeping it as is. And for me, Mike, neither of these teams has really deviated from what we kind of expected. LSU's pitched pretty well with their youngish pitching staff, but they've mostly been more of an offensive club. Right. And Vanderbilt, even with some uh, you know, some churn in their rotation, both from last year and what they expected to have this year with some early injuries, um, they still pitched really well. So both teams have kind of been really as expected. We were chalking the top seven this week. Uh, no real big surprises uh, for any of those teams this week, at least for me. Right, and I mean, you would like your number one team to, to sweep both weekend series to start the season, but like Jim was saying, I think it's too early to to make any radical changes at the top. You know, everyone's still kind of getting their feet wet, and pitchers right. aren't working their full workloads quite yet. They're pitching with pitch counts, that sort of thing. I think the temptation to move LSU to number one has been there since even before the season started. I know we gave some consideration to that, and there was some yeah. temptation last week as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to, to challenge for that spot. And, you know, had had they won in the midweek, maybe that we would have moved them. But And it would have been tempting if, if, if Houston had swept Alabama to talk about the Cougars moving up that high. Right. Um, you know, Texas you Tech know has I would have pushed good. for the Cougars. You would have. You would have pushed for the Cougars. Jim's, Jim's in the bag for the Cougars this year. But uh, and they've, they've shown why. I mean, I just love also when teams kind of play to type. We expected them to hit for some real power this year. And so far, Chris Eriart's kind mm-hmm. of doing that for them. Yeah, I like that they won. They win a close, tight game, pitching duel on Friday. Saturday they win a, a slugfest. Um, also, they did come up short Sunday, but that's I like. You know, it's kind of I like that they're showing they can win different ways. And Alabama's good. And Alabama's I mean, a legit team. Yeah, we. Th- I mean, I think Alabama's a regional team. I think team. when you're a when you're a team like Houston in a non, I won't say a non-power conference, but you know, not a, a big five conference right. or what have you, to get a if, when when you get down to selection day and whatever, and you're talking about them trying to be a a host and a, a national seed and whatever that whatnot to have a a weekend series win against an SEC team that we expect to be good is a uh, can be a that, that can be a big deal for them. I thought that was I think that is and as well said this this series has bigger ramifications beyond the rankings when you're coming down to uh, in Houston's case their expectations are not just hosting a regional but being a top eight national seed mm-hmm. so you're hoping. That you have uh, one of the things that could be a def- uh, defining series for you is yeah it was a home but beating an SEC team that I think everyone expects to be a regional team and they'll get they'll get another shot in a couple weeks when they play in the uh, Houston College Classic they'll play right. LSU and uh, I forget I mean it's, and it's a quality field I forget which other teams they're matched up with but LSU is the main one um, so they'll they'll get a, another chance I mean also that'll be a I suppose that'll count as a neutral sites game it'll be basically home games for them at the uh, Minute Maid but. Still, that's and you, they've got another chance for quality wins, and um, obviously they won't have that many in their conference. Um, they'll play UCF, but uh, other than that, that uh, so the, these early series are, are a big deal for them. And it's not like they're going to really rack it up. Their their upcoming weekend series is Columbia. That's not yeah, exactly right. going to be the big measure for them. But yeah, after that, they play LSU, Texas A and M, Hawaii in that uh, in that series. So the you know, the matchup with LSU, obviously a super regional, I mean a, a regional matchup that they won yep. last year. Rematch. Um, so you have the rematch Blood there. Feed. A couple of top uh, top three teams in Texas A and M, a team that we wound up uh, you know discussing this week. Be, did not probably rank be number uh, twenty nine or so. Exactly, they're in that they're in that twenty six to thirty range. We never go past twenty five, but that twenty six to thirty range certainly one of the teams we debated. Another team that uh, has had an early season schedule not quite up to par with some of these other teams, which is every every team's allowed. You really think about it. I don't know what the schedule looks like in college football. It feels like teams have at least a month to prepare before their season starts. And in basketball, it feels like the window for when Midnight Madness is 
changes every year. That seems like kind of just constantly is in flux. College baseball, they get three weeks. That's it. And it's three weeks of practice in January, you know, January and early February for these teams. And, you know, I just was reading an article. <laughs> I'm on a tangent here. Forgive me. <laughs> but I was on a, I was reading an article this morning from a fellow, uh, you know, a guy I used to work with in college, Steve Politti, who covers Rutgers now. He's a big, uh, he's a, a columnist for the newer Star Ledger. And he's writing about how Rutgers doesn't have a practice facility like all basketball teams have. And I just had a chuckle because somebody asked me during the week, actually, I think it was my nephew, was asking me if college baseball teams have practice facilities. I was like, I just laughed. It's like, no. Some of them barely have a college a field. I mean, a lot of them are on campus, but not all of them. Some even choose to move off campus, like Arizona State. But um, you know, I, he was asking about practice facilities. I was like, of course not. Why does basketball have to have a practice facility? It's a gym. Are you going to wear out the gym? And, I mean, if you watch some of these teams, they move back the bleachers. They have extra room to practice. How, I mean, they have 12 guys, 13 guys tops. How hard could it be to practice in your gym where you play? Why do they need to practice? I, I get it for football, sort of. They bring in a lot of money and can have whatever they want. Right. But basketball, like, I, you know, Duke is a great example. Nationally ranked, perennial, one of the top basketball programs in the country. And the baseball field is in where is is where it's been for years. Not a whole lot of improvements or expansion, little incremental ones. But you look up on the hill down the first base line, and looming over it is this giant basketball practice facility. We're talking about practice, you know, not a game. And so baseball teams can't, you know, they're having to practice. They get three weeks to basically have spring training. They don't go south for it. It's difficult to expect teams to go hit the ground running from day one. So. The teams that are playing close to what they expect to play at, that's impressive for those teams. And and, and especially, uh, I think you need some weather breaks for that. And, and uh, Nobody got any of those this week. <laughs> not, no, and no one's getting any of those. And even Florida and Miami, it was it was cold there. And Jim, you were at uh, was you were in, in Myrtle Beach. I was in Conway. Yeah, and that was supposed pretty... that was supposed to have decent weather, but even those games were uh, yeah, so... delayed all day. You know, off canceled Friday. Yeah, and whole, the everything Saturday. wiped out Friday because it was too cold. Too cold in Myrtle Beach. Um, right. And Saturday, yeah, I mean they they got all the games in Saturday, but it was kind of a steady. It was supposed to be nice, but then it's, it, it turned out just to be a, kind of a gray mist, just kind of all day long. So it was not the hmm. not not Easy conditions and um, yeah, so it made for some some sloppiness, but uh, still, at least it was at least at least I got to watch some baseball. So Florida International was a team that was ranked there, mm-hmm. and that was the favored team in that weekend. That Who was, was the best team that you saw in your mind? Just just your quick take in Saturday and Sunday. I will say Georgia Tech, but um, yeah, I mean FI, I'll, I'll, FIU was disappointing. I mean they can they can hit, they can do, they'll score some runs, but uh, that is. That is a their, their defense is rough, rough to watch. <laughs> uh, I will, um, and like I, I mean, I was, I was I was just saying the conditions were tough, so that was a factor. But then again, this was not a uh, it was not an isolated incident because we saw they made a ton of errors in week one. And this is a weather advantage and they, club. It is, and they they were kicking it around all day uh, against that Georgia Tech, and um, they did. I think they do have obviously, like I said, they can hit, and they do have some. Pieces in the bullpen, I think they either can work with, but uh, they're going to win. They're going to win by scoring. That's what they're going to. That's going to be their. That's what they're going to do. You're going to have to match their way to it, and they and they are they are a team that can do it. But um, when they get if they get into a game, I think I tweeted this. If they get into a matchup with a 
you know, a, a small ball type of team, a West Coast team, it's going to be a it's going to be a long day for them. That, that's that's not encouraging, uh, Mike. I think both of you and I, just from afar, we obviously weren't there, but I mean, uh, Georgia Tech just keeps on doing impressive things. Uh, we did not rank, rank them this uh, this weekend. But that team looks like they're going to be right in that mix. I mean, we talked a little bit about Kel Johnson, I think, last weekend. But right. it certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, we've, I think we're, we're seeing the effects of the new baseball. We're seeing more offense. But it doesn't hurt to see a team like Georgia Tech that uh, already you know, returned most of last year's letterman. Mm-hmm. A guy like A.J. Murray, who's physical, could hit a grand slam for them over the batter's eye in center field on Saturday. But to have a freshman come in and instantly contribute like that, like Kel Johnson has with four home runs, I mean, I know they expected big things out of him, but probably not this big this quick. All right, he's made an immediate impact, and uh, he, he won ACC Player of the Week last week, and he's in the running for it again this week. Like you said, four home runs. I mean, the numbers, I'm looking at them now, batting 406, 441 on base, 906 slugging. I mean, he's he leads the team with 13 RBIs. He's he's the man as a freshman. <laughs> he's the man in, the, in that lineup, and it's it's definitely a, a potent lineup. And that's kind of been their M.O. for the past few years as well. I mean, they're a team that can hit. That's it. Jim, I just like the depth of their lineup uh, when you can have guys. Because Matt Gonzalez is not going to hit 200 all year. Yeah. This guy's established. Uh, uh, He's hitting three holes a freshman for them. Yeah. Really. And I like the uh, – obviously, they got two seniors at the top of the lineup with Spingola and uh, Thomas Smith. And and I think the the thing that we obviously we've talked a lot about Kelly Johnson, and we probably will continue to, but what I – just what stands out for me, just kind of watching him, is that the uh, you know when we have talked, I think you and I have talked about in the past with the uh, you know when you've got Matt Gonzalez, uh, I mean he's a good player obviously, but when he was the last couple of years there, you know he's in three hole for them. Right. We talked about how they're a, they just were not a very physical team the last couple of years, which is what we you know we, when you think of Georgia Tech, you think of obviously you go back a long way to Jason Veritek and then. Uh, Teixeira, Weeders, guys like Luke, Luke Merton, Jake Davies. You think of them having guys like that in the middle of the lineup. They always had those kind of guys. And, it was not, not, and they weren't even the big pro prospects. It was like mm-hmm. Jason Perry or no. Tony Plagman, Plagman or Daniel no. Palka. Mm-hmm. They always seemed like they had that big thumper in the middle They've of the lineup. They've kind of missed that since Jake yep. Davies left. And now, yeah. um, but now Johnson's – I I talked to um, Johnson and, and Danny Hall after their uh, last game Saturday, and they and Coach Hall kind of – you know, asked him about that whether Johnson can be that next in that next kind of line, and then you know he certainly looks like that. You know, he agreed that he could, and that's um, and obviously he hits. Uh, I saw him his first at bat Saturday hit a double off the wall. Last or first at bat, then of the second game, he hits an opposite field home run. Um, and he, he kind of got a little anxious there. A couple at bats, he you know he goes up there uh, swinging at first pitch a few times, but um, I mean it's he, he's going to be a, a force and. Um, you know, like in what I talked about before the weekend that Georgia Tech, the uh, the pitching was the question, and it's, it's still the question. That's where I was headed <laughs> they next. They gave up is... a bunch of runs this weekend. and um, All those teams seem like they gave up a decent amount of yeah, runs, Jim. Yeah, Coastal's I, the same way. I don't um, sense that you saw um, a premium arm I did not. this weekend, really. Um, um, did, did you get a chance to see Albany at all? I did not see Albany. <laughs> yeah, maybe they might have, they pitched the best of anybody, at least uh, at least a couple. Of their, their first game, anyway, against the uh, NC State the, that, over at the other park. But um, that, that's the, that's the not. I guess I'm, I'm just trying to look at the. Uh, I'm just thinking over the other rosters. I don't think any of those other teams have an unsigned six round pick like Stephen Woods that Albany has. I mean, it was a yeah, six yeah. runner out of high school at a Long Beach, uh, a Long Island. Uh, I'll never forget the reaction of Ray's officials when they heard that he was not going to sign, that he was going to 
uh, eschew pro- professional baseball to go to Albany, and they were uh, incredulous about that. But uh, you know, John Mueller's been there for 16, 15 years, something like that, at Albany. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played indie ball a while ago uh, in upstate New York and then wound up getting the job there. And He's been the coach there for a while, and they had a, they were competitive this weekend, they Jim. Were? Uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't get to see them, but that's, I mean, they... So they beat NC State. They take Georgia. They have Georgia Tech on the ropes right. and give up a, a walk-off home run. But uh, we're sitting here talking about weather. I'm going to guess that there's not a great indoor facility at Albany. So for <laughs> Albany so. to go down there, that's just, uh, just these were their first games of the year. too. That's it. So, yeah. First games of the year, and they did not go in there to be the sacrificial lamb. Oh. They competed. I just have something to file away and watch for the future. And uh, you know, Woods didn't even pitch great. He had five strikeouts, but he. Only lasted three innings, so it wasn't even. And he was bad last year, and he just didn't perform. So it, it's impressive to me that they went down there, went one and two, were very competitive in that in that tournament. And I will say for Coastal that um, I think you know this that's I got. Obviously, I had a I went down there. To, I'm doing a story about their uh, it's kind of the state of their program and with the the new park and everything, which is very very impressive um, the facility. But uh, I'll say they've been they were on top of the Big South for a long time. Now they've kind of been usurped by Liberty, but and they've got some pieces. They got you know this junior college catcher uh, Casey Schroeder hit a home run against Georgia Tech. Um, he's got you know he'll 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 be a difference in that middle of that lineup, and I think they'll I mean they'll be better this year for sure. They will not. It's probably too soon to say they're back to a being a regional team, but um, I think Gary Gilmore's sense was they're kind of he likes their arms, but they're kind of a they're young and they'll probably be a year away. But um, they'll they'll beat some people in that league. They'll they'll. They're they're going to be a trouble. They're going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, and the investment that goes into that new facility certainly uh, shows that what you know. I think we've known for years what baseball means to that athletic department. Now, you were down there this weekend. We thought we were going to be able to see UCLA, North Carolina this weekend, <laughs> Mike. Uh, we should talk about that series real quick because that was right. and we had Vanderbilt that relocated. Uh, I guess Indiana State they went down to Port Charlotte, Florida. So a lot of teams had to get creative. Louisville had to scatter from. Uh, expected home series. They went down to Lake Point, the perfect game facility northwest of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and lost two out of three, a uh, neutral site, I guess, to Arkansas State. North Carolina and UCLA got creative as well, went down to Central Florida. You wrote about that in Weekend Preview, I believe. Right. Uh, so that came together very quickly, and then the series, in complete contrast, very <laughs> slowly unwound right. with the average time of three hours, 53 minutes between the two top 20, you know, top 20 teams. Uh, it was a, essentially a pretty sloppy, high-scoring series. Yeah, yeah. And uh, winding up in Orlando, I, I talked to I talked to Scott Jackson, their assistant coach there and recruiting coordinator. And he told me that they were it was like a wild goose chase trying to find a place to play. They were brainstorming different places um, down south. And uh, Terry Rooney offered offered the UCF Stadium, Jay Bergman Field, which they were very grateful for. And uh, of course, they had to take a bus, a nine-hour bus ride to, to the stadium, which wasn't something they were as excited about. But yeah, it was a the series dragged on uh, for <laughs> sure. It uh, what did you say the average time was for that series? Three hours fifty-three minutes, which is that's difficult. Thank God there were no doubleheaders in that series. Yeah, very very difficult to uh, to fathom games taking that long. That were not extra inning affairs. Right. Uh, those were nine inning games. So I, it, I mean, and covering I mean, covering Carolina for four years, there were many a many a days and nights. I was in the press box for for four plus hours. They they certainly like to make many pitching changes throughout a game, which is 
you, know, you get some groans from fans, you get some groans from reporters in the press box. No one's really happy about it. It works for them, they win, but, and I know UCLA, obviously, too, they like to exert control over yep. every aspect of the game, which... And it's worked. I mean, it's worked for John Savage, you know. Um, it's funny, because John Savage is one of these coaches who, you know, he's very regarded, very highly by professional scouts. I think he's a great evaluator. He's got a national championship under his belt. He certainly knows what he's doing, but UCLA is one of the more controlled teams. Every pitch is called from the dugout, these kind of things. A lot of signs, catcher standing up, all that kind of stuff. And they don't play, I, I would say, with a brisk pace. It's a very West Coast deal. Now, Gary Adams was the opposite. He was a, a coach who was uh, was kind of derided for just rolling the balls out. But the slowest team I could ever remember was 97 UCLA, where their average time of game was three hours, 34 minutes. And that was the Troy Glouse, Jim Parquet. I think Jim listens to these podcasts. Jim was the human rain delay on the mound himself. He was one of the slowest working pitchers I ever saw. So a lot of it is just routines that players get into. They want to slow the game down. But, man, I mean, let's just hope that these teams are working out the Kings. Like I said, they had three weeks of practice, mm-hmm. you know, especially for North Carolina, weather really affected their practice schedule, I'm guessing, a lot. Like Scott Jackson said, they got tired of being in the cages. You know? Right. Yeah, they were they were inside all week. Yeah, and so they're inside all week. At least they got to go have a game. And kudos to Central Florida, first of all, for being on the road and playing a fairly challenging schedule, which is a big reason why they moved up in our rankings to number, what they were, 15, 15 this week. Yeah, from 22. Um, from 22 to 15, uh, you know, it's a big seven-spot jump for, for going on the road and uh, in that tournament in Mobile, Alabama. And second of all, for, you know, talk about college coaches in control, how much work does Terry Rooney and his staff and the baseball program there put into that ballpark uh, bring, uh, having it the way they want it, and then to trust these other two teams to play in their ballpark. Yeah. I think kudos all around for Central Florida for offering the park, for North Carolina and UCLA, their athletic departments for being nimble and paying to change the venue there. I mean, I, I, And for all these other programs we talked about, uh, getting creative, getting those games in. Much better to get them, on, and get them in on the road than, than to not get them in at all. Um, and, and speaking of not playing at all, we had uh, one of the top prospects not play at all this weekend, Michael Machuela, there's another option. That was our plan B. Yeah. Go see Michael Machuela. He doesn't start. I've played a lot of phone tag with Chris Pollard, but the scouts around here I've talked to, the release that uh, the information they were sent by Duke was forearm strain with the cold and all those kind of things. Did not want to chance it with Michael Machuela. Now, he was outstanding in the first week mm-hmm. against Cal. It was only six innings. Uh, you know, it sounds like his velocity dipped later on in that game, uh, but he still threw hard and threw well in that outing. But between his back injury that uh, we detailed here in the fall, uh, the spinal condition that he has, which I thought was actually good news to learn exactly what the problem was and that you could manage it, I think there's that. that's the glass-half-full part. The glass-half-empty part is it's his back, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's going to be a lifelong condition he's always going to have to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, the scouts I've talked to, that was pretty unencouraging for them to get that news. And this missed start combined with that, I think if you know we had Michael Machuela at number two on our college list after Brady Aiken assuming he was going to go to a junior college, I don't think there's any way that Michael Machuela is, is the top of the four-year list right now. If you're no, doing a snapshot, I don't think you could put him there, guys, because he's already missed a start. There are already these questions. Yeah, I think his, yeah, I think, his rap sheet is getting getting longer. And I think that yeah. we were already too optimistic, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the feedback that I've gotten is that we were already too optimistic. Um, which puts the Kyle Funkhausers and Nathan Kirby's more toward the top of the list. I mean, I almost 
don't know what Michael Matchwella could do now to assuage scouts because they're going to want to poke and prod into that back. And uh, if if a I guess it was seven year old elbow injury from his high school freshman season, that surgery is what affected Kyle Freeland last year in the draft, and he had to take a discount of almost a million dollars to sign eighth overall with the Rockies. What's a back problem with no track record like Freeland had in the Cape Cod League? do for Michael Machuela, mm-hmm. I think that fans have to readjust. If you're draft Nick, you have to readjust your expectations for where Michael Machuela is going to be in the draft, no matter how good the stuff is. Uh, and I really think the biggest thing people are going to watch for him the rest of the year is just when he starts, not how he looks when he starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stuff is the stuff. Um, but the, the health there is going to be a big issue. I don't know if you guys – and then you have uh, Suarez and yeah. uh, Walker Bueller, uh, two more mm-hmm. – Logan Shore. And Logan Shore getting pulled uh, after nine draft pitches. Guy, but still. I was I was so mad this weekend, John. <laughs> you know, I, I was so excited to cover UNC UCLA to go out there and they moved to Orlando. And then I wanted to see Machuela when that fell through and Machuela didn't throw. And then I wanted to turn on my TV and watch Suarez and Logan Shore go at it on SEC network and Suarez is scratched and Shore is pulled after after nine pitches. I I just could not win this weekend. John. You could not. You were I could a, not. You were your SOL when it came to, to your viewing options. Uh, plan A scratched. Plan B scratched. Plan C you pretty much struck out. Uh, uh, I did. for three. I mean the Florida Miami series certainly continued, but yeah, yeah I mean. Logan Shore, obviously not eligible till next year, but I mean he was the uh, freshman of the year in the Southeastern Conference, and you know for a kid from Minnesota to go be the Friday guy in the SEC from day one, pretty impressive. But that series, that that that, that series was really more kind of like a grinded out. Mm-hmm. Neither team was really at full strength the whole weekend. Nope. At, it just started off on the wrong foot, and right. nothing really kind of went as you would normally expect things to go in that series. And and to me, I mean Florida holding serve really at home. That's kind of just how that went. I mean, I don't, I don't really. There's not a big takeaway from that. I don't. I don't feel like we know a whole lot more about those two no. uh, teams after this weekend. Do you? Uh, no. I mean, I think. I think one thing that's encouraging for Miami uh, is the fact that Enrique Sosa pitched well um, because they're trying to piece together a rotation after losing two thirds of their guys, and now right. with Suarez hurt, you know, I think it's encouraging that he's pitching well. Um, the fact that Woodry pitched well as well. I mean, he's not going to blow it by you. He's going to be 84-86. He only had one strikeout in the game. But the fact that he could hold a team like Florida uh, and limit them is, is, is a good sign for them. And it, it was good that, obviously, Zach Collins right. uh, homered. And, you know, there will be many more of those for him this year. But, yeah, no, I agree with you in that it, it didn't really tell us a lot. It, it's kind of what we expected, a kind of, you know, cl- closely fought battle between those two teams. And Florida, Jim... Mm-hmm. They're hitting. They're hitting home runs. I mean, Harrison Bader already has exceeded his career total to this point. But, I mean, I think we expected J.J. Schwartz would be mm-hmm. able to contribute from day one, and he has. And if you're, if any team is going to have pitching issues, Florida is a team that can overcome those. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of plug Dane Dunning into the weekend rotation. That guy was highly regarded out of high school. You imagine they could try to – if Shore were out for an extended period of time, Brett Morales, who, you know, what, he throws six no-hit innings – in midweek, yeah, yeah, game, he could yeah. be pushed to the weekend. And Brett Morales, again, I'm, I'm seeing him in the Under Armour uh, game, uh, All-Star game as a high school junior rising senior. He's one of the top players in that game. I think he was the hardest-throwing pitcher at that game. Uh, he and Connor Jones were probably the two best right-handers in that game. They're both in college. Um, you know, I guess, uh, actually, Hunter Harvey was probably the best guy who's in that game. But these guys are the same draft class as Hunter Harvey and opted for school. It feels like Florida is positioned to, even if they have to 
ease off Logan Shore a little bit to, to make up for that. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like it is encouraging for them to win that series without essentially without Shore and without uh, Peter Alonso. They're right. probably their you know two of those two of their probably two of their biggest stars, if not their biggest stars. And um, so so to still be able to win with shorthanded like that's pretty encouraging. So they, so they do have they have depth both you know both sides of the ball really with uh, yeah a lot of a lot of guys. That, I mean they I know they like. Obviously, Bader's having a huge start. Uh, the freshman Schwartz, we mentioned. Uh, obviously, Richie Martin and Tobias, or Josh Tobias, are good hitters. Um, so and they, John Sternagel. John Sternagel is another guy, guy who was a, yeah, I think it is Sternagel. Sternagel, yeah. He was very much, he was a highly regarded, again, at a high school, one of the top, one, on the BA 500 draft-wise. Um, I know he was projected more as a third baseman at a high school. If you're a pro scout, you really want to see him stay the third base, but uh, he's playing some first base for them. With Alonzo injured, and you know he's had good at bats, he's had some quality at bats for them. So, and they've really got a nice uh, again their freshman, not a JJ Schwartz, but Dalton Guthrie has been outstanding yeah. toward the top of their lineup. Let, let's talk about UCF real quick, guys, and then take some questions that we have over Twitter. Uh, UCF really again jumping up the rankings uh, this week, uh, going to Mobile. Like I said, uh, anything jump out to you the most about uh, UCF, Mike, uh, that for, from this weekend? I mean, I know we were pretty aggressive with jumping them up, but. Uh, this feels like a team, again, when we were talking about freshmen, they've had a lot of contributions from their freshmen. Right. And I'm going to take my time saying this name because it's a difficult name. <laughs> we want to say it right. You don't want to mess this up. I want to say it right. Cree Finfrock and Kyle Marsh are, are their two two freshmen who I, I know Terry Rooney was extremely excited about before the season began, and rightfully so. I mean, they're, they're both highly touted, and both of them so far have contributed quite a bit. Kyle Marsh has been... Like Kel Johnson at Georgia Tech, he's he's been the guy for them so far. Uh, looking at his numbers, he's batting 476, 607, 952, two home runs, 10 RBIs. Those are some some impressive offensive numbers for him so far. And he's a two-way guy too. He he closed he closed the the win against Maryland, which was a, a big win against a ranked program. Um, a game that uh, I believe Finfrock started that game, and he pitched well as well in his first two starts. You know, the thing about Central Florida is they're a veteran team, lots of seniors in their lineup, lots of guys who have been there before. They're a team that expects to win, that expects to succeed, and I think that's valuable um, in this game and at the college level. And and so far it's shown because they're 6-0 and and they had an impressive weekend, you know, traveling down south. That's what stood out to me, Jim, about them in the Mm -hmm. preseason was that veteran angle that Mike talked about. Like I think they have 16 four-year players, what they wrote, uh, between seniors and – Right and redshirt juniors, and they didn't even list Kyle Marsh as a potential position player. They listed mm-hmm. him as their potential closer and talked about it, talked up his breaking ball. And, um, so it's almost like a little bonus to get the offense they've got out of him. And it feels like they've always been a a pretty veteran team mm-hmm. that even old bats, new bats, whatever, they've always been fairly physical. So um, just, it just seems like this is a, a next step for them to take to combine some of these impact young freshmen with some of their veterans they already had. Yeah, my, my worry with them was the uh, just how the ro- rest of the rotation would come come together after Zach Rogers, the one guy, the one veteran guy they had, but, I mean, Finfrock and Robbie Howell have both been really good, and, you know, so that, I mean, if they, that ro- if that holds up, I mean, they're going to be, I mean, we kind of talked about how them and Houston were probably clearly the two best teams in that uh, that conference, and that's going to be a, a good a, you know, a really good rate, a really good race between those two those two teams, and I mean UCF is gonna, they're probably gonna keep moving up because they're probably not gonna lose that many series. Yeah, not when you not when you hit like that, and uh, and it was a good a good field. And Arkansas is a team that's kind of on uh, how many there's six or seven college baseball mm-hmm. polls now. Mm-hmm. They're in some of them, I know that. <laughs> um, and Arkansas is always good. 
South Alabama was in regionals two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've clearly had some turnover from that team, but uh, th- these are good programs. And then Maryland, obviously, we have Maryland. I will say, for, I will say for the Terps that uh, uh, that was pretty impressive the way, the way they bounced back on Sunday. To um, you lose a close game Saturday against uh, UCF, and then Sunday they're down six one to Arkansas, and they just end up winning that game going away. I mean, that's uh, that, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, you know, we've kind of talked about that uh, that team toughness they have, and I think that was a a pretty good sign of it. That's definitely their that been their calling card under John Sheff the last couple of years. Uh, let's, let's take some of our questions uh, via the Twitterverse um, at the scroll through all Mike's uh, emails about jinxing programs and that kind of thing. I, uh, tweets, but that's okay. I can yeah. I can deal with that. We we do have uh, several Louisville and North Carolina questions in our Twitter, mm-hmm. and a couple really like does the Louisville Arkansas State results say more about Louisville or more about Arkansas State? I guess for me, guys, I'm, I'm I'm just more concerned. I guess really with Louisville, mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. you know even with you know everybody had their schedule scrambled this weekend, yeah. so you really can't put too much of it on that. It is a little bit surprising to see Louisville not win this series. Uh, when you look at Arkansas State, um, just going back to you know, having done uh, draft coverage in Arkansas and that part of the uh, country, nothing really stands out to me about that team. You know, David Owen. Their Friday starter is highly regarded and is expected to be, you know, one of the better Friday starters in that league. But uh, in the Sun Belt, I'm just, you know, nothing really stands out about Arkansas State. So upper half of the Sun Belt program, but that's a series you feel like Louisville should win, neutral side or whatever, weather or whatever. So I'm a little bit more concerned, I guess, about Louisville. I don't know how you guys take that. Well, I look, I look at the the lines for the, for their pitchers that weekend for their three starters. And what jumps out to me is the walks. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Funkhauser, his con- control is something that's concerned people in the past. And, you know, that glared its ugly head, uh, or reared its ugly head. <laughs> On Friday, he, he walked three guys, and uh, he hit two batters in a six-run third inning and uh, allowed three hits, and that's when it kind of all unraveled. Of course, two errors were made behind him, which didn't help. Right. Um, but Anthony Kidston, the next day, he gave up four walks, three runs, seven hits. Um, and then Josh Rogers, three walks and, and, and three and a third innings. So, you know, I think in some ways I, I think it's a little uncharacteristic. I think they'll pitch better than that. I mean, I think uh, those guys are too talented to, to put in those kinds of performances weekend in and weekend out. But if they're going to scrubble, it's going to be the control, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, those numbers concern me. I, I, I think Louisville will be fine, mm-hmm. but it's certainly uh, – you know they were they were very close to losing four straight games, if not for a late comeback. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that stands out to me is that you know looking through the boxes again, not seeing them in person or on or streamed, they didn't change up the lineup. They scored two and one run, so three runs the first two games. Mm-hmm. But clearly Dan McDonald, which is something mm-hmm. I actually like, he didn't mix things up too much. He stayed the course. He kind of believes in his guys. And they did come out, you know, it was like you talked about Jim with some of these other games mm-hmm. where the Sunday, the third game, end of the weekend, you, you used to get these slugfests. You still can get them when teams are out of pitching, mm-hmm. but we got it in the end of this uh, Arkansas State-Louisville series, and Louisville was able to take advantage. I know they're very encouraged. I know they like Brendan McKay, the freshman out of Pennsylvania, who had like 60-some mm-hmm. scoreless innings as a high school senior in Pennsylvania, and he strikes out eight and four scoreless innings mm-hmm. to wrap that series up for them. So they do have a... Something good to build off of, but uh, I think the it's, they they believe in their guys is what it looks yeah, like. It's just, it does feel like their first two weeks have been a little underwhelming. I mean they yeah. so they did go two and one in Clearwater, but they lose to Fullerton. Um, now that and now this also they're just three and three. But I mean it's like we said, they'll we expect them to be fine. I mean they're 
I think that that veteran rotation was probably one of their one of the big reasons we had them so high in the uh, preseason. So you have to assume those guys will figure it out. And it's um, I mean it's only been six games, so it's not enough to press the panic button. But um, I mean it's it, I mean it's it's a little a little unsettling show. <laughs> I, I'd say I, I think it is. It's concerning to watch to watch definitely watch that going forward. Um, now we dropped Liberty and Florida International out of this week's rankings. Last week we dropped Cal State Fullerton out of the rankings with the Titans and uh, tr- uh, Cardinal and uh, Stanford. That used to be a you know big rivalry. It's still kind of a rivalry, but obviously you had some changes at Fullerton and the Titans lost the series again uh, this weekend. So a big series win for Stanford, one of the better. Um, and definitely one of the better Friday night matchups that we had in the country with Cal Quantrill and Thomas Eshelman. Those guys really went at it and both pitched very well. I think Eshelman had, what, five, six no-hit innings in that? Yeah, I think it was, he things. was perfect for five or six innings, I think. Yeah, uh, but I, again, yeah. Fullerton hasn't hit. They just haven't hit yet this week, this this year. And uh, Again, it's early, but he'd rather hit than not hit. <laughs> they're, so far, they're in the not hit. Um, we moved in Dallas Baptist, and we moved in Ole Miss. Um which of those teams uh, really stands out for you guys? I mean, obviously we rank both teams. It feels like Ole Miss is more of like they were in that 26 to 30 range uh, in the preseason. We didn't quite put them in the rankings to start. and They haven't dominated yet, but they have won both their weekends. It feels like Dallas Baptist is the team that almost uh, jumps out a little bit more to both of us or to the three of us guys. I mean, besides just Daniel Salters, and this is a team that had to replace some pitching, but there's some real power arms with DBU. Uh, I- I'm a fan of theirs. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that team's going to be – Pretty dangerous this season with the talent they have. Either yeah. of those teams stand out for you guys? Yeah, I, mean, I, I was I was kind of on board with uh, Dallas Baptist coming into the year. Um, so yeah, it's, I guess that's been a, a very a pretty consistent program the last few years, and you know, obviously they get like you said, they have some big arms. Joe, Joe Shaw, Corey Taylor is the guys that uh, can run it up pretty good, and and they can always they can always hit. That's kind of been their their trademark under uh, Dan Hefner, and I say you know Salters is kind of the, the pillar of that lineup. But they're um, I mean I. I like them. I like them to you know to keep uh, you know to be be dangerous, be a dangerous team. Uh, and as far as Ole Miss, uh, a big development for them, I think, as they try to put their rotation together, is getting back sophomore right-hander Brady Bramlett, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who who tore his labrum um, this weekend. He threw six one-hit innings, struck out eleven guys, a career high. Struck, Sounds like he's back. He's back. He <laughs> struck out nineteen guys in the twelve innings he's pitched this year. So he's a he's a big boost to their cause and, and someone to watch. Uh, Kristen Trent, th- their ace, their junior left-hander, ha- has been great as well to start the season. Uh, six innings, one run, nine strikeouts against Wright State this weekend uh, to kick off that series. They've won back-to-back series to start the year against you know William Mary and Wright State, who are two good programs. Right. So they're, they're an interesting team to watch. Um, they're, they're a team that we certainly gave some consideration to for the top 25 before the season began. It was really them and, and Tennessee, kind of uh, two of these SEC teams that were kind of on the outside looking in. Um, Tennessee's uh, weather has certainly affected them. They've only gotten to play four games so far. But and you look at the SEC West and the whole division early. I mean, you get to control your schedule, but like four and two is the worst record so far in the SEC <laughs> West. Um, and you know, Auburn's had some some success uh, so far this year. Mm-hmm. They're kind of handling Keegan Thompson. They threw him in midweek on three days rest. Harkening back to what Tom Holliday did with uh, with Carlos Rodon when he was at NC State as the pitching coach there, I mean, really, Alabama's already gone on the road and tested itself at Houston. So the whole SEC West, Mississippi State, you know, has won its first eight games and they just keep on crushing the ball. I mean, I know they're playing modest competition, but if you're going to play modest competition, you know, thrash that modest competition. Oh, they've thrashed. They've thrashed that competition. Uh, no, there's no doubt about that. 
Um, our other, I guess, kind of questions, we, I guess uh, you know, we have some North Carolina questions about Sky Bolt and, uh, and Trent Thornton. And I think so far, you know, North Carolina, uh, obviously, like we said, I mean, uh, they would have rather have had that series here against UCLA. And, mm-hmm. But so far, I mean, really, outside of Tyler Ramirez being a kind of guy you can't get out, hasn't really been a big surprise for North Carolina. Their infield you know, they made six errors in the first game. They lost to UCLA in that series. And so far, they kind of are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And with the weather, I don't feel like any of their starting pitchers are stretched out. We've seen Benton Moss throw hard. Right. But they haven't really had anybody go more than five and a third innings yet. So I don't, yeah. I don't feel we really have a, a great read on them. And we did have Sky Bolt Homer this weekend, which mm-hmm. is a positive for North Carolina. I know, I know from talking to Scott Jackson that he's, in, he's encouraged by Sky. They did a lot of work with his stance. He said that there was a lot of rigidity and his mm-hmm. stance as he swung, so he tried to loosen him up a little bit. And, uh, I mean, he's a guy who, regardless of his average, he's going to get on base. He's always been a high on-base guy. Right. Has a, has a good batting eye. But the fact that he did homer this weekend, yes, I mean, that's that's a very encouraging sign. And they had him batting leadoff um, at one point this weekend as well. So It was from the left side. Mm-hmm. It was from the left side, which, all, which I think is a big deal. He's a, scouts have always preferred his right-handed swing to his left-handed swing. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go, I, didn't wanna, I don't know we talked a ton of uh, West Coast teams. Uh Oregon is a team, I think, that jumped out to both of us. And UC Santa Barbara, which we put into the rankings mm-hmm. last weekend. Um, but Oregon, uh, you know, they scored a lot of runs. at a 22-run uh, game, and Sean Chase didn't even hit two or three home runs, which I would have expected. Second-highest scoring game. My Sean Chase man love uh, knows no bounds. Um, but so their second-highest scoring game ever, or since they reached that state of the program? In school history. Yeah. Since, that's, since 1974, when they scored 23. That's a big deal. And then you have, you know, they're playing... Uh, modest competition on the weekend, but even USC is eight and zero. They do have wins against Cal State, Florida, and Kentucky this week in midweek. Uh, the Trojans were another team that you know I believe we, we predicted we, them as a we did. We have them as a regional team, yeah. And uh, finally you know, breakthrough. Yeah, so if you're going to do that, eight and zero is a better That's way a to start. do it. No matter who it's against. Um, so any of those West Coast teams, anything stand out about those teams to you, Jim, uh, this weekend? Whether it's USC or the or the Ducks or. UC Santa Barbara, where Dylan Tate just continues to deal. I'll go with the, I'll say UCSB. I mean, beating a even if Kentucky is not a the cream of the crop from the SEC, getting that getting that series as win is going to be a you know, big thing for their resume. And um, yeah, I would say it kind of I know we've talked a lot about the uh, UCLA Carolina series, but just the fact that UCLA is just you know talk about a team that's hitting. I mean that is shocking. Not I mean week one was Hofstra. Okay, you know we could say that's Hofstra, but to to keep it up against. Uh, UNC's pitching. That, that's that's you know it shows that first week was not a not a mirage. It's it's really the, the top of the order for UCLA is you know the part of the lineup that's that's killing it. The shortstop Kevin Kramer is eight for fifteen this weekend. Luke Persico is eight for seventeen. Ty Moore was eight for fourteen in the three games. And those are the guys. You know I know they talked to you about Chris Keck. Yeah. John Savage talked to you about that coming into the weekend. Mm-hmm. But really Kramer and Moore. You know Kramer was injured all year last year, but. I feel like they felt like he was the big piece that was missing last season. And so far, he's kind of shown that. And then Ty Moore and Chris Keck were both very highly regarded players at yeah. a high school. And those guys finally uh, getting into doing what was hoped for from that, uh, from that program. Uh, it, it is weird to see UCLA as an <laughs> offensive club. It just, it just is weird. I mean, it's just not what and they it, have been. And it's a, a, another team... Um, that had some offensive question marks coming into the season is, is Rice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a team, you know, Wayne Graham said, you know, I think we'll hit, but, you know, we, we got to wait and see. You know, he wasn't sure. 
So and so far they have uh, again Ryan Chandler, a freshman there, has, has been has yeah. been great for them. Uh, Leon Bird building off of a great fall right. at shortstop. He's he's looking like a prospect, a good prospect, and they're uh, every single game this season they have double digit hits. Every single game. So. I just I don't, I really do think, um, and you know uh, Hudson Belinsky, our intern, the former associate scout with the Tampa Bay Rays, has talked about it, and you just see. The aggressiveness in hitters, and Jim, I don't know if you noticed it this weekend, mm-hmm. the first time you saw some guys uh, you know, out, out uh, this year, but I mean, it really feels like hitters are taking more aggressive hacks mm-hmm. and are more confident because of the baseballs, and that just goes a long way. It did, yeah, and definitely down in Coastal, it looked like guys were, you know, you, you could sense, you, you could feel that they, they knew that the fences were reachable now. It's not, uh, <laughs> you don't have to... Have all the stars and planets aligned to hit one, hit one over. But uh, and and I think you know. Last, I saw, yesterday I saw. I think we talked a little bit about the. I went to. I stopped by UNC Wilmington to see uh, Western Carolina and George Mason, and that yeah. was a more of a traditional uh, Sunday slugfest where two teams were out of pitching, and uh, <laughs> it ended up fourteen to five. I think was the final score. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, you can see. I, I think guys. You can tell there's there's more confidence, there's more belief that they can. If I get a hold of one, it's gonna it's gonna go. Well, I'll be very interested to see both you guys uh, in a couple weeks. Will be. I mean, you talked about bigger ballpark at uh, the Pro Park down in uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, at, uh, what is that's it called? For, um, that's, a, that, that's a Myrtle the, Beach. The Pelican, whatever. It's, it's got a. It's fancy. got some. It's got a long com. name. It's got a long name now, but the, the Myrtle Beach name. Pelicans Park. Yeah, it's TicketSomething.com. T- TicketReturn.com. Field at. Pelicans ballpark, <laughs> nice and succinct. Exactly. Um, so when you, when you yeah. see the pro parks, is one thing because they're usually a little bit bigger. The minor league parks are usually a little bit bigger than the college stadiums. But you guys are both going to be at the the two big tournaments. Uh, Mike's going out west to Dodger Town to Dodger Stadium. We'll get TCU, Vanderbilt, UCLA, USC. So four, you know, three top twelve, top ten teams. I guess UCLA is not number eight. So three teams that are in our top eight currently, and then eight no USC. Mm-hmm. And then Jim, you're going to the Houston College Cla- Classic mm-hmm. as we talked about the Astros College Classic with uh, the plethora of, of good programs that are going to be there. So you'll both get really a chance to see uh, how this power and how much the ball travels in these big league ballparks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be a good test because it's a lot of top teams and a lot of scouts are going to be at all those. So you'll have mm-hmm. good talent, big league ballparks, and the pressure of playing other good teams plus. The scouting presence that'll be at both those games, and potentially the crowds, especially in Houston, where yeah. they, they definitely draw. Especially yeah, when Texas, LSU will be there. LSU exactly when LSU is there, Texas is there. That kind of thing. They they draw. So I'll say that never never have been have I been so excited to be going to games in the dome. Really, then will be that weekend. That's it. Enough uh, enough of this weather stuff. <laughs> what games in a dome? I think I I would take Southern California over a dome just because you're outside. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to get back to Southern California. Yeah, there there are positives to be had at both those, but. Uh, to me, that's really going to be, and it's plus it's the last weekend really before conference yep. play starts. Yep. That that weekend really feels like that's going to be a, where the college baseball season. I mean, it's, it really starts to take some shape. Mm-hmm. We've been chalking mm-hmm. our rankings to this yeah. point. There hasn't really been a big newsworthy weekend as far as a big series sweep or mm-hmm. some team that's really, really gone out and made a giant statement yet. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. feel like that weekend will be the one where somebody really has a chance to do that. So, and we almost got that from Arizona State if they had been able to. Add on to the added TCU series to that uh, Oklahoma State, but they could got edged on Sunday. But um, obviously, you, like we said, UCF was really the first team to make a big, uh, big jump. They really are, and you know, I didn't even mention when you talked about Rice, all the runs that they, I mean, all the uh, offense they've generated to win a game on a walk off 
Steel at Home. Um, I guess Arizona was that Arizona who won. I guess Arizona Rice. won. It was Arizona against Rice? It was. It was. It was a very very bad meltdown for Rice. They made four errors in that inning, yeah. and they they had the lead. They had their clothes on the mound. One run lead. There's. No so I just watched the video at BaseballAmerica.com that, that that we had off the uh, from Arizona, but you, I mixed up who won. You should go to BaseballAmerica.com for all your video needs. There's, we have a lot of no videos. Question. There's we, no question. We're curating now. We're curating <laughs> videos. So, um, if it, you know these things are never going to end up on Sports Center. But uh, I think we're going to have to just be the sports center for college baseball. I mean, if if the, our, our shoulders, if the burden falls to us, I suppose we'll have to do that. We've got a green screen now. Can, uh, we, can we throw in some booyahs here and there? I think uh, we're going to have to retire that with a late stew. But we can finally okay. come up with our own punchline of some kind. I'm sure there's some pithy line that hasn't been invented yet. Maybe okay. I'll see if Craig Kilborn lets me borrow some of his since he's not using them anymore anywhere in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But release rotation splash, that's the one I remember from him, but... See, that's, old. That, that's very old. That's at least 15, 20 years old. So I have to come up with something a little bit more current. It seems like all they do now is scream. Mm-hmm. You know, Neil Everett screams a lot. Um, I'm not even sure who else does SportsCenter anymore. The two guys in L.A., Stan Verrett, I believe, and Neil Everett. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Scott Van Pelt still does it. See, that guy, I, I don't watch that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially a Maryland alumnus, gone to the Big Ten, and just out of sight, out of mind for me down here. So I, I can't, I can't <laughs> cotton to that. So maybe I'll just use cotton as my from the Ocho um, from Dodge. Can't go wrong with that. If I can just, uh, I'm not sure how often we can use his ballless cotton in a in a podcast. But I just did it one time. We'll see if we can use it when we do a countdown. But we do have a ton of video up there all weekend. Our own Josh Norris is going to do a lot of that himself around here when teams come come this way. If you guys want to shoot video at Dodger Town Houston College Classic, be my <laughs> guest. But uh, we do have a lot of video at BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, and a lot of college highlights from the weekend that Vince Lara does a great job of of uh, curating. And I'm not going to use three names because that's just too many. I'm just going to call him Vince Lara. But uh, we'll have the podcast here every Monday. You can check those guys out at Twitter all weekend, at Emlinana, at Jim Schoder, BA. I'm at John Manuel, BA. And we'll see you on the next Baseball America College podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. <laughs>